Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. Today we are embarking on a journey to Western Oregon for a delightful conversation with Donna Conrad. Donna is an accomplished author in both memoir and historical fiction. She has navigated through various professions, and her latest book, The Last Magdalene, is available now. So, Donna, welcome to the RV. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Likewise, Donna, we were talking before the interview, and I'm so curious about many things that you've been doing. So growing up in Germany until the age of seven must have been a unique experience for you. It was, and especially since my father was undercover for the U.S. military there, and so he was posing, my understanding, is as a U.S. businessman who brought his family back to repatriate after World War II. And so I was never allowed to go up to him if I saw him in the street. And my older brother and sister and my mother, of course, were speaking English and didn't know German, but I was put immediately into German schools and lived basically German. Um And we were down in the south, outside of Stuttgart, by Umberabergau, in that area. And so it, it it was interesting. It gave me a love of language. Exactly. And how do you believe these early exposure to a different culture and language has influenced your perspective? Goodness. I think it gave me the perspective that different people in different places have different value systems. And they, not only is the language and the food and the beverages different, but the way they relate to each other and the way they relate to the rest of the world. And that was, that was valuable. And that really came home when we moved to the United States. We were up in Washington State. And my dad said, Deutsch is verboten. No more German in the house. You're American, and that's it. And so I basically knew yes, no, and chocolate, and maybe a few other words, and had to learn when I was about a little close to seven, learn English. And at that time, there was all of the post-World War II movies coming out. Like, I think The Eagle Has Landed and all of that. And the bad guys always had German accents. 
And so I was kind of judged by that. So I lost my German accent early because, and, and that was my first, I think, experience of people judging you by the way you sounded and, and stereotype, lumping me in with the bad, evil Germans that had caused World War II and all of this. And I found it flowing into other parts of my life where I try I try not to judge other people by what they sound like, what they look like. It's more what my mom raised me. You know, you are what you do. Yes. And judge people by their actions. Absolutely. You know, and and the only judgment she said to do is whether or not you want them in your life. And if you don't, step away. If you do, embrace them with all of their their faults. This is beautiful. I agree with you 100%. And I lived in many countries as well. And it made me learn so much about people, cultures. And it's all about understanding. I understanding each other. I love it. And Donna, your journey has been quite diverse from being a yes. <laughs> Yeah, from being a 60s hippie, high school English teacher in and martial artist, to now an award-winning author. So what pivotal moment made you decide to transition from teaching and accounting as well to becoming an author? I have, I think I have always loved writing and reading. I love literature. And the the turning point what made me want to make more out of my life came when I was in high school. And anybody who has read or will read House of the Moon know I was a total freak at that time, meaning I took every drug known known to woman at the time. And it was to normalize my life because it was so bizarre to have a father that was an undercover narcotics agent and my sister whose boyfriend dealt drugs to all the bands that came through L.A. So talk about dichotomy. And uh, so because it was my older sister, four years older, I got involved with her, of course, not with my father, who was, you know, this authoritarian German. <laughs> Actually, he was, he always said he was Prussian, not German, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but I was on a, a, a self-destructive downhill spiral until a high school English teacher saw something in me. Uh, his name is David Sunstrand. He's a wonderful man. I got to meet him 45 years later because of the book. And he he saw something in me and, and reflected it back to me. So I saw I could be more than what my circumstances were. And so from there, I became a high school English teacher. And finally, going through all the stages of my life, there were stories I wanted to tell. And this comes from my maternal grandfather, who was big red Irish and told wonderful stories in that beautiful brogue. And I, I finally said, I have stories that I want to tell. And I just said, this is something you need to do for other people. So to tell stories to other people about times and places and people they, they knew nothing about, which is what my grandpa brought to life was... Uh, life in Ireland. He brought to, to life all the, the fairies and the leprechauns and the, the great kings of early Ireland. 
And so um, my first book, which was a urban fantasy, will never see the light of day, I hope. <laughs> it's locked away in a virtual file drawer. And uh, but it taught me to write um, with authenticity. And so that's what I wrote House of the Moon, because I I would like for people to understand that the 60s were not all just the glamour of drug, sex, rock and roll, you know, and, and the whole hippie experience and love, make love, not war, all of that. It was a dark, disturbing time when the nation was so divided and people were not accepted for who they were. They had to be accepted for what they looked like. And if they towed the line and they did everything they were supposed to do, then they were a part of society. Whereas my generation said, no, we're going to be who we are. And we have minds. We're going to think and we're not just going to take things blindly. And so that caused tremendous dissension in the country, in my own household. Mm -hmm. And House of the Moon is not a fun romp through the 60s. It's a dark, disturbing book that, as one editor said, you you go to sleep and you wake up in the trenches and you really see the underbelly of the 60s and what it was like to live through that time. Hence the subtitle, Surviving the 60s. Yeah. And I came out of the 60s a stronger person and uh, one that I hope is a better person than I went into the 60s as. Mm -hmm. Yes, and actually... Uh... I was reading, I was checking your website, I was browsing your website, and I see that your passion lies in giving a voice to marginalized women. So, Donna, can you share the inspiration behind this passion? It comes from the 60s? It does. It does, because women were marginalized. In the 60s, if people don't know, I, I can't speak for other countries, but in the United States, women could not ha have credit cards in their own name. They could not buy houses. They could not open a bank account. They were completely subjugated um, to their marital status and to the man they were married to. And we, we still are fighting this battle of equal pay for equal work. But back then, it, it was far worse than it was is now. Mm -hmm. And out of the 60s, so to me, the civil rights movement gave birth to the 60s, to the hippies, to the defying um, the establishment. And that led into women's rights of saying, no, we are human beings. We're more than half the population. And you all have mothers, so you should really respect the fact that women had something to do with your life. And to, to fight for equal rights. And it has been a fight. And it's ongoing. So House of the Moon Surviving the 60s is about women being marginalized. I was as, as a, a teenager, as a young woman, and still fighting that. And that leads into The Last Magdalene, my new novel, which is about Mary Bethany, who has come to be known as Mary Magdalene. And she has been relegated to a sideline. You know, she's mentioned in the New Testament and then kind of cast off. Once her role of seeing the resurrected Christ is done, she's just thrown away. You don't hear about her anymore. But she was a vital, dynamic, um, powerful woman in her own right. And I, I learned about her through a Magdalene scholar 
who read some of my earlier work and said, oh, you should write about a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. And the issue of marginalizing women dates back to the beginning of the world. And I think it's a battle that needs to be fought every day, Donna, every, every single day. Um, I, I agree. So I'm curious about your book, of course. And I would like you could give us a sneak peek about this book. Is it already published? No, it will be released on April 9th. So if anybody would like to know more about the books, uh, even receive the first chapter, they can go to my website, which is DonnaConrad.com and sign up. And also, as another teaser, you get the lost chapters of House of the Moon, the chapters that didn't make it in the book, but are still pretty juicy and vital and to the point. And then also you'd be entered in a drawing to receive a signed hardback copy of The Last Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And it's up for pre-order right now. So, Yeah, and it's coming soon. So Mary Magdalene is often associated with significant events in the life of Jesus Christ. But the church defamed her. Mm -hmm. So during your research... Did you discover why this happened? I don't think anyone can say for certain why it happened, but we can make certain pretty well-founded assumptions about, um, to go back to it, Rome was expanding. It had occupied Judea under a brutal, oppressive regime. And Rome was taking over. In, in Judea at that time, women had the rights to own property, to inherit, to choose their own husbands, to live their own lives, to own their own property. They had all these rights. In Rome, women had no rights. They belonged to their father until they were married, then they belonged to their husband. And if their husband threw them out, they were destitute. They could not inherit. So Rome... Uh, you've heard, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? Well, they spread that all over. So they started eroding women's rights wherever they went. And around the Mediterranean basin, women had incredible rights. If you go back even to Cleopatra before Caesar, she ruled. She was the ruler of a of a vast country, empire. And... Um, Nobody did that in Rome. Look at um, any place they went, they were denigrating women. And I look at Rome as the true um, uh, antagonist in the last Magdalene because they came in and they said, you will start living like we live. And I look at, at Jesus and Barabbas and the Magdalene and all these people as freedom fighters they were saying, no, we want to live, worship our God, do what we want to do in our time and live our lives the way we want. And Rome said, no, you can't do that. So skip ahead. You have a patriarchal system in Rome. And um, Paul was basically selling Christianity to the Hellenized world. So to do that in the early, early, early parts, women were the, the chief um, providers of houses, of places for the early Christians to meet. 
they were a part of the early church. Then all of a sudden they started disappearing and it became a man's world. So if you want to prove that man is more important and the natural born leader of the world, then you can't really have women that were prominent yeah. in the church. And to say that the Magdalene was to me, co-equal with Jesus in her understanding and her teachings and her acceptance in the uh, a proponent of love and inclusive as opposed to being exclusive. But no, you can't have her there. So you write her out and later you call her a whore. And you you make her weeping at at Jesus's feet seeking salvation. And then that lessens her. It, it denigrates who she was and what she did. Now, all of this, I write historical fiction because we don't know. We're not even sure that these people lived. But based on the popular mythology that's come down to us, yeah, they had a place in history. It's like did King Arthur actually live? Uh, people are saying, yeah, maybe. But we have the whole Arthurian legends that come down to us. So you work within the framework that that is prevalent in our time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This book is... Did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, and I'm so curious about this book. And how, Donna, do you believe individuals and communities can actively contribute to the advocacy for gender equality, raise awareness of women's contributions, and promote diverse, let's say, narratives to foster a more inclusive society? It's a huge question. <laughs> That's a huge question. Okay, let's see if I can address it, if I can break it down here. Um, I think that if you, if people were to keep an open mind, to be inclusive, to say, let's look at, at multiple viewpoints and try to arrive at a, at a consensus that is free of prejudice, which is hard to do. But in writing like The Last Magdalene, I had to go, I went to Egyptian sources because they had a far more expansive view of the Mediterranean basis. And so they had a lot of dealings with Judea and also Galilee, which were kind of separate. They were united by a common belief system, but they were separate in their approaches to it. So Galilee, I say, was 
uh, during the first century was the Berkeley of the 60s. All rebellions came out uh, against the Greeks, against the Romans, came out of Galilee. So if you look to sources that interacted with Galilee, you get a little bit better picture. So nowadays, let's look at other sources. If you were to go to some countries that are very repressive for uh, women's rights, uh, you go to any, uh, to let's take Afghanistan with the Taliban. Well, if you only listen to what they said, you would believe that women had no rights and had no, had no ability to interact on, a, on an equal footing with men. But go outside of that. Go outside of that culture and look what other cultures say about it. Look at women who have broken away, who have stood up for their rights. You have Gloria Steinem, you have Abba Abzug, you have um, Maya Angelou, who's one of my, my favorites, one of my heroines. So you look at proof, what my mom said. What do people do? Not even what they say, what do they do? How do they live their lives? And then you make a an intelligent assessment of that. And does it fit with you? If it doesn't, you reject it. If it does, you embrace it. And I think if artists in whatever form, if they look outside of any given culture and assimilate that information and then give it back to people to show women's true place in history, I, I believe we will come to an understanding that women have always played a vital, um, intrinsically valuable role in all historical events. And I always tell my friends, if the world was governed by women, we wouldn't have so many wars. No, absolutely. I, I agree. And still, uh, around the world and in other countries, I know in Ireland, they've had many women presidents. And uh, and that now, I mean, that in the United States, we still don't. Really? We have a woman vice president, which is remarkable. But why are women so underrepresented? Uh, personally, this is going to be controversial for me to say. I think it has to wait for an older generation to die off. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know. And be done with these outdated mod modalities and mores that came up from World War II, from the Depression, from the 50s. And let's move on to judging people and accepting them for what they know, what they're able to do, and their inherent worth, despite race, gender, religious beliefs. You know, there's a huge religious um, prejudice out there. And it's like, why? What do people do? That's what's important. How do they make this world a better place to to live in? To me, that's what's important. And I and I hope I bring that out in my writing. You know, in House of the Moon, it's like people were just trying to keep on keeping on to say, you know, why do we need to go fight a war that is unjust and we did not cause and we have no right being there? that to me is still a noble act that should be praised, not denigrated. Yeah, exactly. You are brilliant. I'm so happy oh, that I'm giving you this right, Donna. 
And uh, can you share your future plans and let us know how many books are anticipated for the Madeline Chronicles series? Yes, it's going to be a four book series. And um, the next book takes place after the crucifixion when the Magdalene escapes into exile into Alexandria, which was kind of the traditional place for Hebrews to go when they got run out of Judea. And uh, then the following one is going to take place in southern Gaul, where she is older and she assimilates all of her teachings from her youth, from her time with Yeshua, from her time in Alexandria, which Alexandria was a, an incredibly cosmopolitan, enlightened city. And when she goes to Southern Gaul, she becomes a renowned teacher and healer and speaker for the, the place of women in society, which she was speaking kind of to convert it because the Visigoths were very egalitarian in women's um, rights. Mm -hmm. And um, and to say love above will, love above all, that if you express yourself always with loving kindness and inclusion, then people will hopefully respond in that way. And if they don't, it's their loss and their misunderstanding. But you don't ever move from uh, a state of love and inclusion into hatred and being exclusive. And nobody wins if you're hateful and you exclude everybody, including yourself. So to me, people who are filled with hate and pointing that somebody else is doing wrong, their lives are miserable. Wouldn't it be so much more lovely if they saw the good in people and the good in the world and, and the good in interacting with people of other races, of other ideal beliefs of other genders of other nationalities of other religions how much more fulfilling would their lives be and maybe we wouldn't have so much war and hatred and that you know okay. you who are without sin cast the first stone i love that i love that the sayings that come down to us from from supposedly from jesus are incredible love thy neighbor yeah. if you've done nothing wrong you go ahead and cast the first stone who, who of us can say that i certainly can't me neither. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. Do you mind repeating for our listeners where can we find your books, House of the Moon, and your series, The Madeline Chronicles, and learn more about you? Yes. Um, as I said earlier, my website, which is really difficult, DonnaConrad.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and are sometimes you... I even forget it. I forget my own name sometimes. <laughs> I am on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, Donna D. Conrad. I'm just setting up a private group in the next week or so that will be called the Magdalene Chronicles. And you're welcome there. There we're going to talk more in depth about uh, Miriam's role in history and things about how what is saffron dye, you know, that makes the, the gowns this beautiful orange and that and how did you make purple dye and things like that so more about the time so some of the food some of the wines and then her role as I see it and as a lot of women see it as um, being relevant today so yeah, yeah donnaconrad.com and from there sign up you get a, enter a free copy of the book and the lost chapters of house of the moon and then on there will be my calendar 
where I'll be speaking and signing. And you can always pre-order the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And uh, House of the Moon is out. You can buy it at either site. Sounds great. I'm putting it on my list of book <laughs> books for, that <laughs> I want you. to read. Of course, I'll be following you on your socials. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to us. Thank you, Donna. Thank you very much for your time. It's, it's my pleasure. It's been wonderful to be on a road trip with you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.